I'm Robin Amlo of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Sandeep Patel, Chief Executive Officer of Avana. We're talking about lending and how fintech companies are transforming small business lending. How are fintech companies transforming small business lending? It's a mission-driven point for us. So we took the approach that we wanted to provide and fill a need for the underserved in the small business space. Small business lending, if you're doing small tranches under a million, is not a profitable venture for most banks, simply because you have to devote a lot of staff, they've got regulatory hurdles. So then you've got companies that fill that space through a combination of technology, data analysis, and frankly, experience. If they have the requisite experience in their lending team, which I think is sorely missing in some of the other companies, then it provides a lethal combination to provide swift capital to small business entrepreneurs because it's just not data that you need. You need the experience if you've been lending and burnt a couple of times to know what works and what doesn't work, You know what segments to lend to, what the loan purpose should be, and, and so forth. It's a, a classic and perennial problem. SME lending has always been this issue for banks. How is technology making it simpler, making it easier? So you have to start with where the value is to the customer. We looked at it from the approaches, where is the friction in the process? And there's got to be a direct combination of what I call online and offline. If you want to get that customer through the journey, there's a certain amount that they need to do online. And then there's certain amount of things that you may even have to uh, augment uh, with offline. And I think if you remove the friction points along the process from the application to uploading documents to actually even signing uh, loan documents, I think you move that customer through the pipeline because at the end of the day, they don't have time to spend filling out lots of forms and, and calling the banks. They want someone to service them very quickly, very efficiently, so they can get to the business of doing small business. And that's really how we approach this problem. I'd actually change a word in what you just said there. You used the word friction and removing friction points. I'm going to change that word to cost because friction equals cost. Cost both yes. for the small business and cost for the lending institution. If you remove cost, it becomes economic to make that loan if you're the lending institution. If you remove cost in time and money and effort from me as the small businessman having to take that time out to get through the process, it becomes more efficient for me as well. Correct. And I think that's the value proposition, right? You, you want to make sure that you're in, you're out, you get your money in the timely manner where both the small business can deploy the capital for the funds that they need uh, for, the, for the source that they need it for and to get a return on capital for the institution that's actually doing the lending. So it's got to have a balance in, in that equation. Bottom line is, though, it's still not going to be an area that's going to be very attractive for traditional financial institutions, which brings us back to the new boys on the block, the fintechs, the fintech lenders. What are the alternative lending options for small businesses? There are 
a myriad of options, right? You've got merchant cash advance. You've got small business lending for what I call fixed rate loans, which is what LendThrive does. That's our platform specifically to provide them a fixed rate loan. And the way we approached it was, hey, let's give them the money with a fixed amount of interest rate for a certain period of time so that they can budget that. That's what small business wants. They don't want the volatility. And uh, in terms of the types of loans, you know, it's usually under a million. It's usually for working capital. It's usually for equipment, financing, inventory, or invoice financing. I mean, that's usually where their sweet spot is for most small businesses. And you have to deliver that in an efficient manner. On a risk-adjusted basis, you're able to make some money as a company, but you're also able to deliver the capital to the small business quickly. Does it also make sense, we, we talked talk about alternative lending options there, does it also make sense to look at, I was going to say alternative facts, it's not alternative facts, but alternative information <laughs> for lending decision making? Because classically, a financial institution will look at a credit score, will look at paperwork. There's more to life than that in terms of whether somebody's going to be good for the money. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point, Robin. You know, the hardest thing over the last 20 years that I've been doing this, the hardest thing to underwrite is someone's character. You can have all the pieces of data you want, but at the end of the day, you really need to understand the person. So the other pieces of data we look at can be anything from, we do a lot of social underwriting. We look at for uh, exactly what kind of stuff that is out there in the data sources that can give us a Build, help us build us a profile of the customer. And that could be anywhere, anything from their social uh, media feeds to how they use their telephone bills. We're looking at data sources that are outside of what I call regular things that you can get from FICO or Experian or, or, or so forth. So yes, absolutely. Um, There's social patterns that, you can, that can, you can use to develop a profile of a customer and a customer's character. Is, is, I think, the better statement for us. It's interesting in a way because it almost feels like I'm being taken back to an era when there was a bank manager who was a member of the community, who knew the community, who knew the community businesses, who knew the owners of the community businesses and was judging them on their character as to whether they would be in a position to be responsible for the loan that he was being asked to make them. Yes. Maybe that's just being of a certain age takes me back to that mindset. I don't know. But the yeah. fact of the matter I mean, is that technology allows you to resource this alternative information in an efficient and cost-effective manner. Correct. And you, you get people far smarter than I am that have data analysis experience and statistical experience to put models together to study spending habits, to all sorts of other uh, variables to figure out where do they fit on a regression line? Where's the sort of, where does the bell curve fit? And can we create a, what I call a risk profile of a group of customers that resemble certain types of patterns? And from there, you can do lending. So that is where the world is moving. I, I think FICO and, and those process scores only make your analysis better. And that's how our data models work on LendThrive. We kind of 
create our own data model, and then we implement it or augment it with Experian and FICO and then the other sources that are out there. So it, it just helps us build a better data model over time so we can automate the decisioning much faster. Well, tell me a little bit more about, let's move on to your own model now, to, to onto LendThrive. Tell me a little bit more about how that works in the specific. Our vision on LendThrive was to create a company and a platform that allows us to reward the small business entrepreneur for timely payments on their loans. So it, we, we call it the rate reduction reward. Basically, after a certain point in time, the rate drops 25 to 50 basis points and then continues to the duration of their loan. And the reason we looked at it this way is that you can fine tune your model and adjust your risk. And for those borrowers that fall within a certain risk category, let's say A or B, there's no reason to punitively charge them a certain interest rate for people that fit in the C and the D range, right? Uh, initially, you kind of when you're putting out capital in this space, it's a risky uh, proposition because you you're giving cash for what I call uh, small items that it would be hard to sort of collect on. There's not a lot of collateral, right? So w- the way we approach it is that let's make sure there's a fair balance, and we wanted to take LendThrive to provide a platform that when you make these loans. Over a certain period of time, we're dropping our rate as the borrower is performing. And it works the other way too, by the way. If they're not performing, then uh, you, you have to start eliminating the draws that we could we would give uh, on subsequent loan requests. So we've got a way uh, that kind of tracks the entire borrower journey from start to finish, but allows us to basically tweak and modify the levers to reward a borrower for the performance during the term of the loan. And I think that's unique. Risk-based pricing. Yeah, it is. But it, it, you know, the thing is, there's not a, we found that when we surveyed the competitive market, we felt it was the greatest transfer of wealth from small businesses to these large fintechs because they're charging 60, 70, 80%. Well, I don't see the value in that. I, I, I don't. I can't sleep well when I'm charging someone 70, 80%. I'm sure it looks great for the investors, but we wanted to have a certain rate that was based on, on what the investor wants as a return on their money, plus the risk that we put aside for reserves for any defaults, and then a small premium to run the business. And if you kind of do the math, it doesn't need to be horrendously high. It just needs to be a certain amount. So you're making a decent return on every loan and you're able to kind of adjust that. So that's how we've built the business. Thank you very much indeed, Sandeep Patel, CEO of Avana.